had one hour after I trained them. I got home and an hour later, they were locked up. I was like, sweet. <laughs> <coughs> I always wonder what, it, what is that cramping feeling that you get, you know, when you have a really hard workout, Yeah, you get that cramping feeling, I always thought it was a bad thing, but what exactly is that? It is, it is a bad thing, but there's, I have, I've actually done a ton of research on that. It's not just electrolytes messed up. Um, it's, there's some activation problems with your nervous system. There's, uh, if you look it up, I think probably the most convincing part is, is this calcium sarcoplasmic reticulum problem. Like there's calcium leakage from, uh, the cell and all this stuff. I mean, it's to the point where, I don't really care. It's too tech, too technical for me. Yeah. It's, 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 it's over my head. Yeah. But what I gather from that is you can't just take some extra salt or some extra electrolytes. So like when you train to that level, yeah, it happens. Like I was arguing with some people, they were actually doctors and they were like, Oh, your electrolytes are messed up. I'm like, no, they're not. Um, and it was anyways, it was an interesting discussion, but so uh, that's what I always thought though. I always thought, okay, well I'm cramping because I'm lacking something or I sweat too much and I sweat out a lot of my minerals or whatever. So, Oh wait, I think I got Evan here. <laughs> One second. Evan, can you see me? Can you, Evan, can you hear me or no? Turn I can your, see him. You I can, can see him. I just can't hear him. Can you, are, do you have like a three-way thing going on your, on your TV? Mine does. Yeah, so does mine. Evan, turn your ringer on. Maybe your ringer's on, uh, off. Right. Can you hear me? Why is, why is he so dressed up? <laughs> I think he cut out. He's gone. He might have a bad connection. He did. We did the last one when he did my podcast before we did it from his basement and it was fine, but I don't know. Maybe it's something on my end. You got um, the background and everything, man. Yeah, well, I got to pump up this. this Dude, oh, you're stepping your game up. <laughs> I got to keep up with you. Evan, can you see us or what? I don't, I don't know if you know if you can hear me. Evan, your your ringer. If you can hear us, smile. Oh okay, wait, he, he, he just texted me. One second. And he cut out again. I think his uh, his network is not doing so well right now. I'm sorry, John. Wait, are you Uh there? Here we go. Here we go. There he is. (laughs) I I don't know why that was happening. Can you, uh, hey, turn your phone sideways, see if it's, you, you got to get more of you that way. There you go. Oh, let me try to get it set up here somehow. Look at that fancy shirt. I know. I'm, I'm going to cover it in a minute. I'm going I'm to edit that whole part out where we, okay. Does that look okay? Yeah, you look great. So we got, we got Evan. Okay. So listen, guys, this is RBP number 30. And uh, 
we're starting off 2020 with two awesome guests. I got uh, everybody's favorite, Evan Senapani, and everybody's also favorite, John Meadows. And uh, the, two of the two of the good guys in the industry that always somehow, both you guys always maintain a level above the fray and don't ever get into any of the drama or bullshit. I don't know how you do it, but both of you do it. So anyway, thank you for coming on, guys. Welcome <laughs> yes, to sir. the show again. And uh, how did you guys, uh, I guess I'll start with John. How'd your Christmas go, buddy? It was good. Um, I just sat around eating pecan pie, basically. <laughs> and, and, stayed, uh, and stayed shredded while doing it. Yeah, I'm pretty lean right now. Um, my kids got entirely too much, so the next two months they're spoiled and I got to deal with their attitude. Then they'll get, then about March, they'll be good again. So, yeah. um, yeah, man, it's, it's good. It's, um, uh, it's an interesting time for us. Um, <clears throat> we had a lot of Mary's family here. And so we had a, I'm a little bit like people don't understand. I'm a little bit kind of antisocial sometimes. Yeah. And people think because I do all these seminars and everything, I do love those. I enjoy them, but sometimes I get like freaked out around all these people. Yeah. So when all these people are around, sometimes I'll just kind of disappear into some room and just kind of maybe fall asleep or something. So even but, uh, even at, even at Christmas with all your family around, sometimes you got to get away and kind of do your own thing. Man, there's um yeah, just like the anxiety. I get like anxiety, and um it's like God. I, the very first time I went to a family gathering of Marys, like within 15 minutes, I went to a back room and like literally fell asleep. I took a nap, <laughs> and her mom and dad were like, well, I guess he's comfortable with us. So yeah. they liked me. So cool. it all worked out. Evan, how'd your Christmas go, buddy? Oh, it was good. You know, just hanging out, um, open presents at our house in the morning with the kids. And then, um, went over to my parents' house in the afternoon, ate, opened more presents, you know, standard, everything's good. Yeah. No traveling, which is nice. Thank God. I mean, I look at other people who have to, maybe get on an airplane um, or travel for hours to be with family, things like that. And um, I'm lucky to have my family close by yeah. and not have to do that. So that's great. Um, a little off topic. Why are you so dressed up? Should I be flattered? <laughs> no, I'm not. This is actually a work, a work shirt. Um, that's nonsense. That's the fucking dress shirt. <laughs> no, no, it's not. It's not. It's, uh, it is actually one of my favorite shirts, though. But no, it's just actually a work shirt, believe it or not. Yeah. Well, very nice. Thank you for dressing up for the show. <laughs> no, I, was, I actually ran here. I was at my dad's warehouse before this doing some doing some stuff. And yeah. um, I just came home and didn't have a chance to change my stuff. So I wanted to I want to go back to something me and John were talking about before you got on, because I'm actually interested how you feel about it. Uh, me and John were talking about when you have like a really nasty leg workout, like it's really like, you know, you can judge them. There's levels. And you get that really crampy feeling afterwards. And, and I always thought it was a, it was a nutrition, like a nu nutrient deficiency of some sort. And John was kind of explaining to me that it's not necessarily a deficiency. It's just like, you, John, you couldn't really explain why it was happening, really. Well, I, I don't think anybody knows um, why exactly it happens. There's all kinds of theories. And the easy way out is just to say it's salt and it's electrolytes. But you know, you can crank electrolytes in somebody and salt before they train. And if they train hard enough, they'll still get their teardrop will lock up and stuff will lock up after you train. And there's a lot of thoughts on, you know, muscle fibers being damaged and, you know, responses there. And then all this technique, technical stuff, you know, calcium and sarcoplasmic reticulum, and all these issues. And that stuff's a little bit over my head. But my point is, is, you know, a lot of people think, oh, it's just electrolytes. And that's not necessarily the answer. I mean, it could be. Mm -hmm. um, 
but you know, sometimes you don't even really hardly sweat, you know, it's cold here, for example, and I didn't sweat too much. I mean, I was sweating, but you know, two hours later I got my teardrops locked up and, you know, so my only, my only point is it's not always a simple fix. And yeah. Evan's probably had this happen too. I, like, I mean, for years and years and years, I had those leg cramps and I just from those punishing leg workouts. Well, that's kind of where I was going with this. Evan, have you had the same kind of experience? Yeah, you know, it's a good one when, you know, you get home from the gym and you get out of your car and you're walking back to the house and you start walking and you're like, oh shit. And every <laughs> step you lock up. Um, I know exactly what you're talking about. I mean, think about it this way, right? I mean, a big leg workout is a form of trauma, mm. right? So to John's point where, you know, you could be plenty well hydrated and have plenty of electrolytes and be well fed. Um, that's like saying, well, okay, I'm going to feed you really good and I'm going to make sure you're nice and rested and I'm going to put you in this car accident. So when you get in the car accident, you'll be fine. Mm. <laughs> when, when you go through the wind, when you go through the windshield, um, and there's, there's kind of probably no way around the you know incurring trauma that you're going to have, no matter yeah. how well fed you are or whatever. So I think John's totally right. It's just at some point it's just trauma. Do you think? Do you think it's a level that guys should try to? Because honestly, this is going to sound really mental, but I try to achieve that level. Like I try if I don't get that crampy feeling after my leg day, leg day, I feel like I didn't go hard enough. Yeah. Is that, is I mean, that, are we kind of defeating the purpose? Have we gone too hard at that point? It all depends. I mean, I guess the, the harder you can train and the more trauma you can inflict and still recover from it, then the, be, then the better. Like, it's like saying, you know, uh, you know, like someone like Dorian made us realize that, you know, how much of a limiting factor recovery might be. Mm-hmm. But if you could train eight hours a day and still recover from it, yeah. yeah, you'll be that much further ahead of everybody else. So if you can have those punishing workouts and still recover, then hell yeah. What do you think, John? Do you think you kind of agree with that? Oh, absolutely. It, it, can you recover or not? You know, if you're sore for 10 days, that's probably too much, right? <laughs> you probably went overboard. Right. But <clears throat> if you're a little sore for a day or two and then four or five days later, you're ready to rock and roll. Yeah, yeah. The, the key is just recovery. Absolutely. So that leads me to, to another question that's obviously always a debate. Um you know, science kind of tells us now that we don't have to train to failure to put on muscle. I don't think they're doing studies on guys like us necessarily. Um, and I don't think that's, that means you couldn't put on more muscle without failure, but that's just my opinion. But aside from the failure argument, what do you guys feel about um, being sore? Because a lot of people contribute or, or, conflict or conflate being sore with having a great workout. So if I train shoulders, for example, and I wake up the next day and my shoulders aren't sore, they're not tight, they're not anything, did I have a good workout or not? Well, shoulders is an interesting one because a lot of that soreness just comes from training in a lengthened position, like when the muscle belly is stretched out. And Mm. if you think about a lot of the shoulder exercises you do, you know, just to lateral raise and things like that, you're not really stretching the muscle bellies out. Um, I spent a large portion of my career thinking the sore I was, the better. Mm. I think I was completely wrong. I don't think there's anything wrong with being a little sore, but I've had some of the best progress I made was when I was 39, 40, and 41 years old, and I didn't get sore at all for basically two or three years. Mm-hmm. And so is it a bad thing? I mean, a little bit of soreness, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But if you're not sore, does that mean your workout kind of didn't count? I wouldn't say that either. Um, but can, so, I, can I interrupt you for a second, John? Do you think 
do you think you're 39, 40, 41? Is that just because the adaptation is so much, like you have so much experience at that point that you're not going to get as sore as you would have when you were 25, regardless of how hard you, tra- hard you trained? Oh, no. Repeat about, uh, yeah, I wouldn't call that repeated about. Like a lot of people say, well, when you train, your body just gets used to it. I mean, like if you think, you know, Evan and I have done some videos together, like I don't care how many times you train, that's going to put a hurting on you, right? And, you know, you're still going to be a little tight, a little sore. I don't care how many times you do that because mm. of the level of intensity. Now, if you're not training really hard, just maybe a little bit, then yeah, your body will get used to it. And you won't get that sore. It all really depends on just how hard you go. Like, you know, I feel like the more advanced you get, the more you have to go to another level of intensity because your body is, it's seen 10, 20, 25 years. It's seen a lot of hard work. So if you just keep doing the same stuff, then your body doesn't really have any reason to change. So I think what happens with, guys like us is I think that, you know, people like to laugh at the mind muscle connection. I don't laugh at it all. I think, I think we have gotten better and better through years and years of training. And when we do something, you know, like, like Evan or you, like if you're in the gym and you're doing an exercise and you don't feel it, it like it pisses you off, right? Like I don't even feel it Yeah. because you're in tune with your body. And I think Mm -hmm. the more experience you have and the better you are, then you get more and more in tune with your body. And that's when you can really get those awesome workouts, great contractions, push through pain, you know, so I, I think you got to kind of consider all that too. I have a, a counterpoint to that, but I want to ask Evan, do you feel kind of the same way or do you believe in more soreness is more muscle? Well, I mean, I like to feel something the day after kind of an indication that I know that I did something. However, kind of like what John was saying, there were times when I was training, I, I knew I was training hard yeah. right? and I was moving big weight and I was training my balls off. And I was not getting sore. And I knew that just my recovery was just on fire. Yeah, yeah. And at times like that, you're getting stronger at every workout. So you're like, you know what? I don't give a shit that I'm not sore because yeah. something here is working. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think that strength is, I know we're not powerlifting here, but I think strength is an important indicator. Mm-hmm. I think if your strength is going up and you're not getting sore, I'd say that's just because your recovery is probably really good. Mm. You just take it and run with it. So, but if you're not, if there isn't some indicator, like if you're not, I, cause I've been where you, where you're talking about Evan, actually just this last prep before I tore my tricep, it was really strange. Like I was squatting four plates for more and more reps every week. And I was just getting stronger. Everything felt better. And I wasn't getting that sore feeling. Um, but do you think, so there has to be some marker, either you're getting stronger or your endurance is better or, or you're sore or something. You've got to see something improving. Um, Mm -hmm. But I would say if you're not getting sore, but you're looking better, you're getting stronger and you're feeling good. Yeah. I don't think there's anything to be disappointed or worried about. (laughs) Yeah. I, my counterpoint to you, John was, See, I, I went through a long phase, probably from 20 to 30, where I would train legs and I would literally be sore for the six days up until I had to train legs again. Like it would be like, finally, the seventh day, my legs would feel better and it was time to get back in the gym. Yeah. So you probably, you guys probably experienced something similar. Yep. Right now we can sit here and say, well, you don't really have to be sore, but we both kind of, or all three of us, Evan, I'm, I'm assuming you're kind of the same. All three of us kind of built our physiques with that philosophy though so how could it be wrong you know what I mean like for so long like it was a, a good 10-year chunk where I was just my legs were sore all the time so yeah 
you know, mine I was I, probably mine was probably a twenty year chunk like that. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. So if you take that philosophy and then I look at your legs, I'm like that's a, that's insane. So that has to mean something. You know what I mean? Well, there's just so many factors to consider. So I mean, you got to think about a lot of things here. Your nutrition was you're in a caloric surplus. You're doing everything you can nutritionally, and then honestly, you got to you got to talk about the chemicals. Like yeah. the chemicals are going to have you in a ramped up state of protein synthesis all the time. You know, if you're not in that situation, you know, maybe the protein synthesis is, is ramped up for 24, 48 hours or whatever the latest journals are telling us. But I mean, I feel like my base was built training like that. And you yeah. will never hear me say that's a dumb way to train because that's how I built the base of my physique. Mm-hmm. But then I hit a certain level um, and I stayed like that. Like if you look at my contest history, I competed around 210 to 212 pounds for like 10 years. Yeah. And I got maybe a marginally better, but it was really frustrating. And then when I went from competing at from 210 or 212 to 220 or 221, mm. it's when my recovery um, was crazy. And I was doing the stuff with Dave Tay on the weekends and I was, and I still wasn't getting sore. Dave and I would try to kill each other. And yeah. Still wasn't getting sore. So it took me to another level. So was what I was doing bad? No, it was working. But there came a point where I had to do something else because I was stuck. And I don't, you know, and at the time I thought I'm just at my genetic limit. This is as big as I can ever get. Yeah. So I had to kind of open my mind up and really think about what are the things I can change to continue to get better. Now, once I did that, once I made those changes, I did great for two or three years. And then I got back in the situation where, okay, now I'm stuck again. And, mm-hmm. and now I tend to do a lot more of, it's, it's like, you know how people say, okay, one time a week's not enough, but two times a week, man, when you're going balls out two times a week, when every muscle is hard, that's too much. Yeah. It's really hard. Yeah. And I think there's like, for most of us, there's like this sweet spot of three times every two weeks. So it's more like, you know, um, if you look at 14 days, you hit the muscle three times. So it's not once, it's not twice. It's somewhere in the middle. Mm. I feel like for most guys on our shoes, that's a pretty decent little method there. Yeah. Evan, you were going to say something when he was. Um, <clears throat> oh, I was going to say, you know, to your point of, you know, being sore perpetually for what seemed like years. Yeah. Um, you know, and obviously it worked. I mean, you know, you're a top level bodybuilder. Yeah. I think one of the things to consider. And I think this is something that a lot of us, I know you've run into it. I've certainly run into it, um, is injuries. And I think that when the, when you're constantly sore, right, the body, that's an indication the body's trying to heal itself. It's trying to recover. And I don't know about you, but I know the times when I'm like really cranking it in the gym consistently for a while, usually stuff will start to hurt. Yeah elbows, knees, back, whatever, right? Shoulders. Um, And I think it's just, I mean, look, you know, someone your size, my size, you're big, you're heavy, you're strong, you're, you're, you're doing things your body's not, maybe not exactly meant to do. Yeah. And I think it starts to become a struggle for the body to keep up with it all and and to heal. And I think if you're in a perpetual state of soreness, in terms of like a long-term success or a long-term vision, it might maybe having more recovery along the way, or maybe having the ability to step off or 
whatever the case may be, probably, you know, because if you look at a guy like Dexter, who's had such a long and successful career, um, you know, I don't know how he feels physically and whatnot, but he's never really had any significant injuries. Yeah. So I don't know. I think it's probably a tough balance between hitting it as hard as you have to, but also giving your body enough time to heal and recover so that you can have longevity, et cetera. So if we had to, in my mind, if I had to kind of put your guys, the consensus on it, I would say the soreness is good as long as you have your, like a deload week. Like if I was going to formulate something from what you guys just said, I would say, okay, I'm going to go crazy for a couple of weeks. And then the third week, I'm going to take it easy. And I'm going to I, recycle I think, that and can keep kind of keep growing that way. I, I think if you can, like you have a, a, a killer workout, you're having yeah. these, these workouts where you're sore, maybe the next day, the day after that. And then it's almost like you're, you're gone. It, it's gone. Yeah. I think that's probably a really good spot to be in. Yeah. Um, or, or maybe you're getting very minimally sore at all, but yeah. you know what you're doing is adequate because you're getting bigger and you're getting stronger. I think that's probably the optimal place to be. Uh, Evan, as somebody who eats really clean. Okay. So the, so the, the uh, environment you're talking about or the thing you're talking about, about kind of getting stronger every week, but not getting sore that usually whenever that's happened to me in my career, it's been during a diet, like during a prep somehow, somehow between like eight weeks and three weeks, I just get like better and better and better and better in the gym each week. And um, do you think if you're eating extremely clean, you can have that same result in the off season? Cause I've never had it in the off season. I think the things that we have going, because I know exactly what you're talking about. Usually my preps are better than my off season yeah, yeah. <laughs> in, in the way that you're talking. Yeah. And I, I think part of it is that we do everything correct in a prep, meaning we do not miss a single meal. Um, and I think a lot of it is an, is an inflammation factor. Yeah. I think in the off season, yeah. we're in kind of a perpetual state. It's just almost like chronic inflammation. Yeah. Whereas, you know, when you're prepping, you're in almost like a slight calorie deficit, mm -hmm. you're doing a ton of cardio, and, I, and you're sleeping better, and your meals are perfect. I, so I think it's probably more conducive to recovery somehow, even yeah. though in an off season, you're eating a ton of calories. Yeah. John, um, how do you, I, I think I kind of agree with Evan a lot on that point, because when my body is, feels like it's at rest. I feel like I'm like inflammation wise, like I don't feel all swollen and puffy and I feel like I'm a lot better, a lot healthier. I'm making better gains. Do you kind of feel that way too? when you're, when you're getting ready for a show? Oh, hundred percent, man. A hundred percent. And, yeah. um, it, like weeks, I think pretty much what Evan said, like weeks nine or eight down to like week two, there's a period yeah. in there where it's like you're hitting on all cylinders. Yeah. Like, yeah. Man, like, man, this is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it's inflammation. You know, sometimes I'll take a cheat meal and like the next day my hands will hurt. Yeah. My, you know, you'll feel like, well, that's not good. Like my yeah. body didn't like that. Yeah. So, you know, when the majority of your meals are healthy and clean, I just, yeah, I, I agree. See, the confusing part is like, let's say you do the keto diet. I, I've done the keto diet on like a couple separate, couple separate occasions or maybe just a really low carb diet. I feel incredible. Like mentally, I feel incredible. My body feels incredible. Everything feels really loose and injuries are kind of down. But I don't feel like I can grow as well. So that's the contradiction is where do we, is there a way to feel the way we feel when we're, that we're talking about in prep and still put on that massive amount of muscle? Probably if you were super strict in an off season, 
mm-hmm. with some type of carb cycling approach. Mm. And you were very conscious to be only slightly above, you know, maintenance calories. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You, you'd probably have to get really, not scientific, but you'd have to be really close at monitoring it. But, but you know something? Then I feel like you almost run into a, a is there a danger in, you, you start almost doing something all year round? Yeah. You know what I mean? It doesn't, it doesn't react as well as when you do it for that short period of time. Yeah. And then when you go to diet, I mean, I I always liked having a good difference between my off season and pre-contest, you know, Mm. off season, I don't really do much in the way of cardio or, you know, and I'm definitely more loose with my diet. And I always thought Mm. that that was a good thing because then come prep, I make changes and I know I'm going to respond to them. I think, I think uh, that's the, uh, I think that's the thing a lot of people are missing in the Instagram, I call it the Instagram age everybody wants to look great for their Instagram photos and nobody wants to put on any fluff. And they see people, they see people like Seth Ferrosi and Seth Ferrosi's like, I'm eating 7,000 calories and he's shredded. But it's only because he's a freak. It's like, that's not a normal, like we can't all do that. Even no, I can't, I can't do that. I mean, there has to, I think for most people be a marked difference between their off season and their Mm pre-contest in the name of continuing to respond. You agree with that, John? You kind of feel the same way? Yeah, I never had a strict off season in terms of food in my life. It was get as many calories down as you can. Right. Um, and then later in my career, I was more mindful of what I was eating. But, you know, for me, it's like I personally want to have fun. And mm. part of having fun is there's certain foods I want to eat. Now, if you tell me, John, you can have no donuts, no pancakes, you can't eat any of that stuff the rest of your life, I'm going <coughs> to probably, I'll probably punch you in the face. So, <laughs> I mean, for me, I like to have some fun. And, you know, when I have people in the off season, like if I have a, a say I have a lady and she says, I just like chocolate. I'm not going to tell her don't ever eat chocolate again the rest of your life. I'm going to say, no, let's have some, you know, three ounces here, three ounces there. So for me, I wanted to have fun. Hmm. And then you kind of, the switch flips, right? When it's pre-contest time, it's okay, bam, now let's yeah. go to work. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if mentally, I, I see guys doing that now and I'm just like, damn, that's impressive that you can do that. Yeah. Me personally, I'm not going to eat egg whites and oatmeal every morning the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. I, I think personally, like based on times where I had the best preps, um, I went into it, you know, I was off season and I was eating a ton. Yeah. Like eating a ton of food. Um, not bad, not necessarily horrible food, but I mean, really not shying away from anything. Yeah. I went into that prep at 16 or 18 weeks out. Big, big, strong, not too fat, and eating a fuck ton of food. Because yeah. then I was, I was in a perfect position because I'm like, great, 18 weeks, I'm not that fat, I'm super strong, and I'm eating like a pig. Yeah. So now all I do is I make the most minute adjustments, and I'm, I've got a response. But mm-hmm. I can keep eating a ton, and that's mm-hmm. supporting you know, all that size and it's keeping my metabolism high. And that was always the, like for me, the perfect way to prep. So I got a, I got a few questions out of everything we were just talking about. Uh, One I'm going to cover after, but um, just to give people an idea, what do you, what my, my off season weight was always about 40 pounds on average, which is quite a bit because I eat whatever the fuck I want, but I was about 40 pounds off of my stage weight. So if I went on 255, I'm usually hanging around on 290, 295 all off season. Where are you guys? Just to give people an idea of how much you're eating, what is your weight difference? John, yeah, mine, changed, mine changed a lot over the years. I mean, I remember in 2000, 
2001, I got up to 260 pounds and, <laughs> um, that's a lot of weight for five, yeah. six. Yeah. And you know, for me, I had to do so much cardio and I had to do such low carbs for so long. I had a kind of a worn outlook by the time I competed. Mm. And then I noticed when I started my diet at 250, I looked a little better. And then yeah. I noticed when I started my diet at 240, I looked even better. So I eventually found this spot um, between 235 and 240 where I was, it was the happy medium. It was big, strong. This is when I was squatting 750, 800 pounds, big and strong. And I, and I didn't have to kill myself, just murder myself. And I had a nice look at the end. But that's a, um, that's a, that's a, that's pretty lean though. Cause you're like 220 on stage, aren't you? Well, I mean, the highest I ever was, I had, I did one show where I was 229, but I, I looked like a water buffalo. Um, <laughs> I, you know, for me, my best look was honestly probably around 221, 222. Yeah, but that means you're only about 20 pounds over your stage weight. Like that's, that's really not a lot because 10 of it's water. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, I mean, I just, that was about right for me though. Yeah. I, I, I feel like when I went 250 or 260, particularly the 260. I mean, mm. I, I, I was working in the corporate world and my desk drawer was just toaster strudels, <laughs> Pop-Tarts, bags of potato chips. I mean, I was doing everything I could to get down as many calories as I could. I didn't care how I got the calories. Yeah. It's like, okay, get your 300 grams of protein and then just eat everything inside. That's what I did. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's 300 plus I called it. Evan, you're a little different because I was kind of like around the same diet as John is I would get my base diet in and eat whatever the fuck I wanted. I know right. from I know from watching a lot of your videos over the year, over the years, you're really you kind of keep it not clean, but very nutrient dense food. Yeah, it depends. Um, you know, I've had preps where I've deviated. I mean, one year I went up to almost 320 and wow. then competed at 250. Holy so shit. That, was, that was a 70 pound. That was the year I did New York. Yeah. And New York was a great showing for me. Yeah. And when it came time to diet, the weight just like fell off. Yeah. Um, but how do you, know, you how do you get to how do you get to three twenty without eating like a lot of shit like me and John have to eat? It was the weirdest thing that year. It just kept coming on. I was and I was only eating five meals a day. Really? I wasn't even eating six, and um, nothing crazy. But the weight just kept coming on, and like. It was just a weird thing. I, I, I wasn't doing anything crazy chemical wise. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's I, I, to this day, I, I, I don't even know. It just the weight just kept coming on. I'm curious. Okay, so five meals a day, and and that's something I do too. Sometimes in the off season, I'll just I'll separate it like up to three hours between meals, and I'll do five right. a day instead of six. Right. But what to get to three twenty? Like how many calories a day, or what was one meal? Kind of what did one meal look like? Um, nothing crazy. You know, I mean, maybe it was like 10 ounces of 10 ounces of cooked chicken and, okay. um, you know, maybe like 180 to hundred grams worth of carbs. Um, and then probably around 30 grams of fat. I like that. You guys are both like high fat guys. You guys both, I, I've learned that from you, John is a little bit of fat could go a long way in a diet. Man, I hate any, I hate a low fat approach. Yeah. Because I mean, at some point, number one, how much carbs can I eat? Mm-hmm. And also, I just feel better. I'm I'm just stronger. Yeah, I've got I'm just more powerful with more more fats and 100%. even in a diet, a low fat diet sucks, man. I think it's shit. Yeah. Well, even just like, you know, we got to talk about outside of bodybuilding too. There's people around us. When I have fats in my diet, like when John took over my diet in 2014 or 15, and we introduced a lot more fat, like peanut butter and avocado, and you know, healthy fats, and um, I think the people around me were happier. 
because I was less in less of a shitty mood because on an, it just having a little bit of fat in your diet keeps your mood stable. I feel. I, I think just in terms of a, of a pecking order, you know, I mean, I think protein and fat just biologically speaking are vital, mm. whereas carbohydrates really are not essential. Mm. Um, so that right there should give you an idea as to, you know, if anything is going to be excluded from the diet, and I'm not saying they should be excluded, but it should be carbohydrates. Or if anything should be limited, maybe more so than another macro, I think it would be carbs. Yeah. But I have to be honest, I think, you know, protein being steady and obviously being extremely important, I think carbs and fats, really, they kind of just get manipulated and one goes up, the other goes down, but they're kind of forever being kept in some kind of balance. And so I have... I have a couple questions that have arisen from that as well. Um, and John, maybe you can touch on these as well, but so you mentioned that you were doing 10 ounces of protein or 10 ounces of cooked chicken, which is about 11 or 12 ounces. Now I was doing the same thing when I worked with Chad Nichols, he had me doing like 12 ounces cooked. And uh, a lot of people nowadays will say that's horrible. It's going to kill your appetite. It's bad for your body, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera, which may not be totally wrong, but, I kind of feel like that's when I was my strongest. And a lot of the, a lot of the mentality now is you can get away with doing six ounces of protein and just increase everything else. And I just don't feel like it's the same result. Yeah. I mean, in theory, everyone's going to say, well, you know, carbs, they're protein sparing. So if you eat more carbs, you don't have to eat as much protein. And I guess that sounds great, but all I can tell you is what I know. Yeah. And my experience is just what you mentioned. I mean, times when I'm eating a lot of protein, I look better. <laughs> yeah. John, how do you, how do you feel about that? Well, for me, like I wanted to eat more. I just couldn't get it down. Like, mm. you know, I remember um, I worked with King Kamali who had me for like two weeks and I had him, he had me do exactly what Chad had him, him do. Yeah. And he put 10 ounces of chicken in my plant and I couldn't get it down. I was like, I mean, it would take me an hour to eat the chicken before I even had anything else. Um, so I, I always wanted to eat more. I just couldn't. For me, it was a matter of, and you remember our talks about like your jaws start hurting after a yeah. while yeah. from eating so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, used to have to get, I used to get that uh, inside round beef. I don't, know if, well, I don't know if you guys call it inside round in the States. but I, it's, I it's, round. I round, yeah. It's tough yeah. as fuck. And <laughs> I, I used to try and do it because Chad would be like, get this meat because it was the leanest beef. Super and he'd be like, and he'd be like, eat 12 ounces of it. <laughs> like, holy fuck. So my teeth started to hurt. So what I did was I went to the butcher and I'd have him grind up. I'd have him grind up like 10 pounds of it. And I, it was the only way I could get it down. So, um, so John, you, you got to a place where you're like, no, I don't need to do that much protein. Well, I mean, I'm not as big of a guy as you guys are either. So my requirements aren't as, aren't as high as yours, but mm. You know, six ounces cooked for me was was what I what I felt was plenty. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, I never really liked to manipulate fats too much. I did all the manipulation with carbs. I like sure. to keep healthy fats in in the plan. Mm-hmm. So for me, um, you know, that's what Evan was saying was it was more just carb manipulation, move that stuff up and down. Okay, so a, a new a kind of another uh, newer trend that I've noticed is so we're talking about fat on the diet. And I've kind of adopted your guys' philosophy about having added fats from different sources, whether it be avocado, peanut butter, coconut oil, whatever, right? But the new, newer trend seems to be now that people are just getting their fats from food only. 
So what I'm trying to say is like somebody will do a carb and protein diet and they'll say, well, I'm getting my fat from the steak I'm eating. And I don't feel like it's the same. Like I don't, even if I eat five steaks a day, I don't feel like that saturated fat or whatever fat it might be. Even if I'm eating salmon, I don't feel like it's the same as adding extra oils or avocados or whatever. How do you guys feel about that situation? Well, For me, oh God. go ahead, John. Oh, I mean, the, if you look at the meat, the steak, that's actually more, it's probably a little over 50% monounsaturated. It actually is. It actually is a real healthy fat, the salmon mm-hmm. fat. It's just a matter of, is it enough? So if you're eating a really lean cut, if you look at, at the end of the day, if you look at your fat and a guy your size is only eating 40 grams of fat, it's not that those sources were, weren't effective or bad. It's just, is it really enough? Oh, okay. You know, I mean, I, guys like you and Evan, you're probably talking 100 grams minimum of, of fat. So okay. I don't think there's anything wrong with the fat that's in salmon. It's probably the best fat you can possibly get, um, and beef and all that. It's just, is it enough, you know, or do you need more? That makes sense. Maybe, maybe that's the problem is, Evan, how do you feel about that? For me, well, I guess probably because a lot of it being because I was never huge on red meat. I never ate a ton of red meat, maybe one meal a day or something. Mm-hmm. So, but, but still to your point, people be like, well, you know, chicken has a gram of fat per ounce or, you know, something like that. And I'm yeah. like, dude, that's nothing. Like yeah. that's not cutting it for me. Like, no, I, I need a separate fat source, whether it's olive oil or avocado or some kind of nuts or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, because relying, uh, I guess maybe if I was eating a ton of red meat, maybe, or, just a lot, a ton of whole eggs, maybe that would be adequate. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was never really able to solely derive my fats just from my protein sources. No. Yeah. I tried it. I tried, I tried that type of diet and it just doesn't feel the same, even with a lot of eggs and even with a lot of uh, red meat and, and John, you're probably right. Is it probably just still didn't add up to the amount that felt good for my body. Mm-hmm. So that's probably the situation. Now I want to go back to something I kind of thought was really important that Evan was saying. Uh, and I'm sorry guys, this is really bodybuilding centric, but you guys are both fucking really smart. So I want, I want people to really learn from you guys because the last time I had you guys on, we talked a lot about life and different things. And I wanted, I wanted to kind of get the X's and O's in. So Evan was talking about, and this is something I feel like is lost on this generation as well. Evan was talking about being 320 pounds and eating you know, a ton of food and then having to make really small changes and still get away with eating a ton of food while losing weight. I would call that uh, a metabolic adaptation. Like your body has adapted to eating 7,000 calories. So you can go to 65 and even though you're in a a high surplus, you're still going to lose, lose fat. I don't feel like people understand that concept. So they're always trying to keep their calories around what their BMR or, you know, their, their BMR is. And I'm like, I, that I feel like now you're going to starve when it's time to diet because now your your metabolism is set at 3,500 calories. Now I think I think. Oh, sorry. sorry, go ahead, Evan. How do, how do you feel about that? No, I was going to say I think there is such thing as reworking. I mean, look, what I was eating at you know in my mid early to mid 20s versus what I eat now in an off season. Mm. I eat considerably more now, and I eat in a lot looser of a fashion. Mm-hmm but I was getting a lot fatter in my early twenties. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, and it is proven it's a whole, it's a newer uh, discipline of scientific study where you can turn on or off certain genes via your diet, via your nutrition. 
And I think that in some way, or it could be as simple as it's just a metabolic adaptation, or is it possible that I've genetically altered myself in a way, you know, in terms of switching on or off certain genes, mm -hmm. um, because I do think that that's possible. But like you said, I do think it's important. Look, the goal with bodybuilding, unfortunately, unfortunately, bodybuilding is to some degree an excess sport. Mm -hmm. It's about how much food you can eat. Right, okay, let, let me start with the gym. People don't even understand the reason you go to the gym is to create a need for food. Yeah. If, if food is the building block of muscle, a, a building block of muscle, if you have 10 pounds of meat sitting on your table, that is muscle from another animal. It contains the building blocks of your muscle. Mm. The question is, okay, how do I take this muscle sitting here in the form of food and turn it into muscle? Okay, let me go to the gym and create a, a demand for it. Maybe I'm going to also put in anabolic steroids to make that process that much more efficient. Mm. It's, it's about you, food utilization. Yeah. The goal of bodybuilding is how much fucking food can you utilize and transform into tissue? So if you, so with your philosophy, if I get to 7,000 calories and I've held that amount of food for quite a while, my body, or in your case, you're talking about uh, gene suppression and whatnot. But if, if we just take my point to metabolic adaptation, now you can get down to 6,500 and still get ready for a show, taking in all this food and still building muscle or at least maintaining all the muscle you have. Yeah, because all that food is going to, you're going to be able to feed your muscle and mm -hmm. keep your metabolism high at the same time. I mean, the answer to bodybuilding prep isn't, isn't eat less, do less cardio. You know, people say, well, yeah. I'm going to eat less, so I don't have to do as much cardio. That's the right. answer is eat more, do more cardio, lift heavier and harder. That mm -hmm. is bodybuilding training. That's right. John, how do you feel about that? Do you think it's a, and maybe we can touch on the gene, um, unlocking different genes as well. How do you, cause I'm not really versed up on that. So John, maybe you can explain what Evan was talking about or about metabolic adaptation and kind of fill us in a bit. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not real well versed on the epigenetic part of it, but I will say this, that it is very simple science that as you eat more, your um, basal metabolic rate will go up. And if you eat less, it'll go down. That's why dieting is hard. And it's mm. really hard when you're starting at a low point, when you didn't, mm -hmm. when you weren't eating a lot of calories to begin with. So the more you can build up food into your plan, um, the, the higher your metabolic rate is going to be. And, you know, I, <clears throat> people probably don't push it hard enough. Um, and I think what you do is you just keep pushing and pushing and pushing. Eventually you get to a point where it's like, okay, now I'm getting fat and I don't feel good. Mm. But you push until you get to that point. Though. And I think right. a lot of people are, and the other thing too, is I've always felt like you can train your appetite. You know, I don't yeah. have much of an appetite personally. But if I really work hard at it, like me personally, man, two eggs and two pieces of toast, I'm full. I'm good. Yeah. But if I were going to compete again, I know that wouldn't cut it. So I would train myself to have more of an appetite by simply eating more. Mm -hmm. And if you can just jack up your calories, I see this with people all the time for two weeks, jack them up big time for two weeks. The first week they're going, oh my God, I feel terrible. By the end of the second week, they're like, I'm getting it down. No problem. Yeah. hundred percent. So I think one of the, the errors, one of the main, see, it's tough though, because you have a little, little bit of an issue here. So one of the main problems is if you're eating too close to your BMR, like let's say your, your BMR is like 3,500 or 3,000 calories a day, and you're eating like, okay, I'm going to eat 3,200, that way I can stay lean, but I can still be in a surplus. But when it comes time to diet, you're going to have to really starve yourself 
So how do you, for the, for, okay. Cause the, the flip side of that argument is if I stay leaner, then it'll be easier to diet. I won't have to do as much cardio and I can maintain more muscle. How do you, which argument is right out of those two? For, for me? Yeah, for either one of you. Yeah, go ahead. For me, it's like I said before, if you start off and you're eating a ton and you're not that fat. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, you get, you got fat on you. You're not getting on a stage. You might, you might be embarrassed to guest pose, but the yeah. reality is you're not that fat. Yeah. That's the place to be. Yeah. If you're eating a ton and you're a fat fuck, you, I mean, you don't want to be starting a diet super, super fat either. It's yeah. just not, you know, because yeah, you probably are going to have to kill yourself, but if you're eating a ton, not that fat, that's the scenario. So the goal, so the goal for people listening should be, I have to set up a diet in a way that I can get to five, six, 7,000 calories, whatever your body needs, but not get to a place where my body is, is using most of it. And I'm not just getting fatter and fatter and fatter. Is that kind of what we're saying? Yeah. And I think for, you know, people don't realize, and I think this has been lost largely uh, as time goes by is the importance of training. And I know John understands that. I know you understand Mm. that Mm. (laughs) people think Uh, they can diet. People think they can diet themselves to bodybuilding success. And while the diet, yes, is always important. You're not going to do it without good training. Yeah. Um, I want to change gears for a minute because I, I was really interested. You guys have both been, you guys are both friends and have trained with Jay Cutler, right? I want to know not what it's like to train with Jay because you know, he's a bodybuilder. He trains crazy. We all train crazy. I want to know what you took from your experience with Jay because Jay's, in my opinion, Jay's best asset is his knowledge of bodybuilding outside of the gym. And I don't mean in the kitchen. I mean his business side of bodybuilding. Did he, did, did maybe Evan or John, whichever wants to go first, maybe you guys can touch on, did Jay give you guys any advice or did he, did, did you catch anything in talking to him that maybe, maybe triggered some ideas or a different way to do things to kind of be like Jay in that way? Cause his business savvy is so good. Well, he's, um, he's definitely a hustler on the business side. Um, it was his birthday when I saw him and we had a dinner and I was sitting beside him at dinner and he was, you know, talking about businesses and various businesses that he's involved in. And, you know, he's been involved with real estate and all kinds of stuff. But for me, um, I've obviously been very focused on the business side too. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of bodybuilders, they don't really see past the competitive days. Like when your competitive days are over, then what do you got left? Right. Yeah. So I started a member site, um, 10 years ago, actually, it was the very first bodybuilding website. That was a member site 10 years ago. It's still going. Um, I've, you know, now a lot of the people who are members on that have started their own site. So I think I kind of gave people some ideas there. I traveled and I did three day workshops. I didn't see any bodybuilders doing that. I just saw bodybuilders doing meet and greets. Um, so I've tried to, I've tried to, think beyond the days that I was going to compete. Like how can I actually turn this into a real living? Mm -hmm. And I think what, where people get stuck is first of all, when I was growing up in the sport of bodybuilding, what I was always told was you can't have a job and be a good bodybuilder. Like I was always told that. And that is the biggest pile of crap. Like that is just terrible advice. And like how many hours do you spend training, you know, maybe one or two a day and how many, how much time do you spend eating? Well, there's a lot of time left outside of that window. And so I just feel like people don't, 
I think part of it is people are lazy. Um, like my YouTube channel, you know, this year's is growing my YouTube channel. I was telling a guy today, I said, it's doing really well now. Mm -hmm. I said the first year I was spending more money on the videos than I was making. I lost money the first year. Yeah. You know? And so people, it, that's how it took two and a half years of five videos a day. I mean mm -hmm. a week. So yeah. five videos a week for two and a half years. And now it's doing really well. Yeah. But when you talk to people, Hey man, what do you think about doing, you know, 300 videos a year? They're like, what? <laughs> you know, um, and my member site, everybody said, you're never even going to get to hundred members. All this information is free on the internet. It's people can just Google it. Mm. You'll be lucky if you get 30 members. The first year, you know how many members I had? 30. Yeah. That's it. The yeah. second year I had like 50. The third year I had like three or 400. And the fourth year it went up to almost 2000. People, it, it takes time. Like people yeah. just want all this stuff to happen right now. I'm, but I'm, it takes. It, go ahead. Sorry. I just, my point is, is it just takes time. And to get back to your original point with Jay, Jay has done that. He's, in, he's got involved in various ventures and he's, he's, he's nurtured them. He's built them. Um, you know, he didn't like what necessarily what was going on once he's doing his own thing with supplements now. Yeah. Um, Evan, and, Evan and I have certainly had some bad experience with supplement companies. <laughs> so, um, but you know, it, that business part is what's fascinating to me because yeah. that gives you an avenue to live a nice life. And I want to take care of my family. Right. What did, uh, Evan, did you get, you were, you were younger when you met, uh, Jay and I don't, Evan, you've never been like a real, like you've never done like the t-shirt thing or the coaching thing or the, how does your, how, a little bit, not like, you know, it wasn't ever, I don't think your main focus. How do you maintain the business side of life and the bodybuilding side of life? Like what, where is that? And what did you learn anything from being around Jay at all in that sense? With Jay, I think probably the thing that stood out to me the most, um, uh, just from knowing him over the years and watching him interact with other people, um, you know, he just never was real cocky. He, he'd be the first person to compliment someone else mm -hmm. or encourage someone else. Uh, you know, if there's someone just coming up and, you know, he always did the same with me or, you know, and I'll, I'll see someone who, you know, they're friends with Jay and, Oh, Jay asked about you. He always asks how you are. I'm like, really? Yeah. Me? Um, <laughs> but I think that's a really, that's a really great thing. And it reminds me of, um, you know, who I think is one of the, well, probably the greatest bodybuilder of all time is Lee Haney. If you watch Lee Haney at the Olympia or the national, any, any show interact mm -hmm. with people, he's the first person to just go up and talk to anyone and offer his encouragement and just really be a gentleman. And I, I, I see a lot of that in Jay. And mm -hmm. I think that that's real greatness. Yeah. Um, I Flawed, so I, I got to interrupt. Do you remember when you asked me that question, who's the best bodybuilder of all time? Do you remember who I said? No, I don't remember that. I said I Lee said... Haney. <laughs> <laughs> For all the reasons that Evan just said. Okay, but we're talking about, I, I actually had a really good experience with Lee Haney as well. But we're not talking just physicality. We're talking about a whole, yeah. oh, the, yeah. the, the whole person, yeah. right? Jay, um, I mean, Jay's the GOAT to me. Like, like he's the GOAT. Like, if you want a blueprint... I mean, you can't you mean, find you mean in, a, in a in a whole like as a whole. Oh, as a whole. I mean, yeah. the the way he represents the sport, the way he he shows you, like, if you pay attention to what he's doing, he's showing you how to be successful. Now, whether you yeah. want to put in the work or not, it's up to you. Yeah. But he's setting the example. 
literally all you got to do is watch what he's doing. Yeah. I, it's funny. You guys mentioned that. I, both of you guys have known me for quite a while. I don't know if you guys know this. Evan, <laughs> Evan probably knows, but I was definitely more of an asshole as my, in my younger years and probably a little bit cockier than I, I would like to admit. Um, but it's funny. Dude, that was only two weeks ago though. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up a lot in the last couple of weeks. No. Um, <clears throat> what I was getting at is it's funny you said that about Jay because and Lee, because Jay and Lee Haney are very successful outside of bodybuilding, like outside of the stage. And John, you're also very successful in all your businesses and you have that same quality. I've seen you talking to various people and you always take time out to talk to whoever. And is that the recipe for success? Is that like, you know, like I know, I know there's the work element, but you could work your fucking ass off and be an asshole and maybe not get anywhere. I, is there, is there, is there an element of, I should really respect a lot more people. Cause I learned a lot just from watching you, John, like just from hanging out and being around you when I come to Columbus. And that's where I think I started to change. So is that one of the main elements of being a successful business person? John, yes, or, Evan, doing. go ahead. Evan, go ahead. I think, I think every, well, first of all, I think not everyone is going to be a successful business person. Mm-hmm. Because that's just not some people's personalities. Yeah, I think everyone has to be able to identify their strong points and run with them, and or you know, not be afraid certainly to develop other parts of themselves. But I think you have to realize. I mean, not everyone is going to be a Jay Cutler, um, yeah. and in so many, you know, in everything that that entails, that that obviously entails a lot of things. Um, you have to recognize your own strengths and, and play to them. And um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think Jay being a good bodybuilder was Jay being himself. Mm. Jay being a good businessman is Jay being himself. <laughs> I see what you're saying. You know, what's funny. Yeah, he's, he's just being himself. I'll come, I'll come back to you about this in a second, John, but I just want to touch on something. Cause you said it. I read one of your posts, Evan, that you put up like, I don't know. It was like two days ago now. About about just being yourself. It was very like it was very to the point. wasn't long, but it was like stop trying to be somebody else and just do what you do best. I think a lot of people fail to ask them. I mean, a lot of people will chase. Maybe they will see a bodybuilder yeah. and whatever it is, and they say, "Ooh, I like that." You know, mm-hmm. whether it's the what it represents visually, aesthetically, or or, or maybe what it is that they think is going to come along with it, some kind of money or fame or notoriety, whatever it is, and they say, "Well, I want that stuff for myself." Mm-hmm. Um, but they might they might not even like bodybuilding. Yeah, like, you might not be a bodybuilder. But, but is it really? But okay, I, I'm all for being yourself, right? Like my whole thing is like real shit. Be real. Don't fake. Don't. I 100 percent agree with you. But at the same time, there's two questions that come from that. One, how do you learn what yourself really is? You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of hard to know. It's kind of hard to know who you are sometimes and what is your best qualities. And number two, I don't know if there's anything wrong with looking at someone and going, I like the way that person carries themselves. Maybe I should. No. Like, I, like, for example, the way I, like when I met John, I was like, you know what? That looks a lot easier than what I'm fucking doing. <laughs> so I did, like i'm 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 fucking swimming up fucking stream and and this guy's figured it out so right. i don't know if there's anything oh. wrong with watching and learning no certainly not certainly not but I, I think that everyone i think a lot of times people will have things that they're good at 
Yeah. And maybe they were told that it's not valuable. Uh, maybe they're good with their hands. Mm-hmm. And they had everybody saying, well, yeah, you know, but you don't want to get your hands dirty in life. So go to school and do this or that. I see. Um, I think everyone should, I don't know. I, I, people, ha- you have to have curiosity, I would think, about mm-hmm. things. And that curiosity brings you to find, uh, leads you to find answers. And maybe in finding answers, you, you find yourself having to make something or, mm-hmm. or I, I don't know. Um, how, do you, how do you feel about it, John? How do you feel about the whole be yourself and, and learn from others still like, where's the dynamic? Where is it? Where is it copying somebody and learning from that person for the wrong reason? And where is it making yourself a better person? Oh, well, there's two things that came to my mind when you said that one of the things is one of the things that popped into my mind was the old Maslow's hierarchy. Remember that triangle? And on the bottom of the hierarchy of needs, you had like food, shelter, clothing. You remember what was at the very top? It was self-actualization. That's like, when you're at your peak, like you couldn't be any better. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, his philosophy was that's when you're helping other people and things like that. But you have to some, in some way, figure out what that is for you. So what is self-actualization for you? Like, like Evan said, you may enjoy working with your hands or doing something like that, that you may love that. So when all these people are telling you that's a waste of time, then they're, that's bad advice from them, mm-hmm. in my opinion, because the goal is to get to the top of that hierarchy. So, that that uh, pyramid right yeah, um yeah. so and, and so how do you know what it is well you got to try different things you know a lot of people are really good about their they talk a good game but they don't actually do anything mm-hmm. you know so you got to try different things and, and, it's, and the other thing to pop into my mind was in terms of looking up to people you can absolutely be successful being a con artist it's proven in our industry there's coaches there's supplement <laughs> owners that are straight yeah. con artists yeah. They they have a great blueprint for for pulling wool over people's eyes. Yeah. And so I mean you can succeed like that, but I always thought I'd rather just be myself so that I never have to really think twice about what well, did I what did I tell that person? What did I tell that person or you know, do I have to go change this story or you know, yeah. um or you know, maybe I can screw this person over and nobody'll know. You know, mm-hmm, I just mm-hmm. thought, you know what, man, just I have, I would have more respect for someone who's just a jerk and yeah. just made no bones about it. This is who I am as opposed to somebody who's kind of a fake. So, yeah. I mean, I, I would say that if you're going to pick somebody to emulate, just be real careful who you pick in our industry. Yeah. There's some really good people. And the, the truth is, is there's some people that is not so good that are successful. So just be careful who you pick. But, but to get back to the point of that self-actualization, I mean, that's kind of the key. If you want to get to your, I guess, most happy part mm-hmm. of your life. Mm-hmm. So you got to try different things. You know, what is it that you want to, you know, Alexander, um, he went through a phase where he's playing the piano. He's playing the guitar. He plays football. He plays basketball. He started yo-yoing. I don't know if you saw him yo-yoing on that yeah. one video. Alexander's well, he, Alexander's John's son, for those of you who don't know. Yeah. Sorry, he's my, yeah. he's my oldest boy. I have two 11 year olds. So he got, a, he's getting lessons from the, like the world national yo-yo champion actually. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he can do all kinds of crazy. Well, yesterday he comes in, he goes, dad, I want to be a skateboarder. <laughs> like what? Yeah. But I'm not going to discourage him though. I want yeah. him to try everything he can. If he comes tomorrow and he says, I want to, you know, do something else. I'm going to encourage him. I want him to try different things. And at some point he's going to figure out what is it I like? What is it I don't like? And that's a, that's a little kid. But I think that same mentality of people and try different things, see what it is that you like. I think it's funny. I, I wanted to to just touch on a couple of things. So 
Evan said something about you have to make sure you're emulating people for the right reason. Or he said something along those lines. So kind of like, are you looking at that person because you want all the money he has? Are you looking at that person because you want all the fame he has? Or I think on a better side, are you looking at that person because he's, he's, his growth as a person is greater than yours and you'd like to grow as a person as well? I think there's different ways to, to emulate someone. Like I, I kind of can think of who you're talking about, John. So if you see somebody who's really, really wealthy, and really well off, but they're kind of did it in a shitty way, you might look to them and think, I want to be rich like that guy, but you're not really learning anything about yourself. Whereas if you look at somebody like a Lee Haney or a, or a, or a Jay Cutler or even yourself, John or Evan, and the way you carry yourself, you might say, oh, okay, there's a different way to carry myself that might make me grow as a person and mature more. So it's kind of like, I think what I'm gathering from it is a lot of it is what are you really emulating? Are you emulating being a better person? Or are you emulating just wanting the thing like the fame or the money or the, the intangible that's really not that important? I think a lot of it is people's failure to actually know themselves. Yeah. Like you have to know yourself and, and, and I, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm still in a process of fully, <laughs> fully discovering myself, so to speak. Um, but so many people, especially now more than ever with the prevalence of social media, I think people are just so influenced in terms of what the, what's being presented to them as what's acceptable, what's cool, what's fashionable. Um, and I think a lot of times people, they, they see what's popular and like take, for example, certain clothing trends, right? Okay. Skinny jeans, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I, 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 own, I own a pair. Be careful. I own a few pairs. <laughs> <laughs> what I was going to say is, go ahead. It's okay. <laughs> what I was going to say is I see them on some guys and I say, yeah, you know, and it, he, he, he pulls them off. Like they look, yeah. they look pretty good on him, Yeah. but not everybody can wear them. Right. Yeah. So some guy, he might have a funny body mm-hmm. and he's going to wear skinny jeans and they're going to look terrible and they're going to look incredibly unflattering on yeah. him, yeah. but he's going to do it because in his mind, that's the style. And yeah. he's going to wear them with some like goofy retro 90 sneakers. And it's the reality is it's going to do nothing to help his appearance, but he's going to do it simply because it's a trend. And in his mind, he goes, well, this is what's popular. So it has to be good. And he doesn't even actually have a fucking opinion. Yeah. Meaning, meaning how do I feel about it? Like, but, what if, but what if you like the skinny jeans and you have a goofy you, body? If you like it, and you look at yourself and you say, <laughs> I like the way this makes me look and I feel good about it yeah. and, and it makes sense in your mind, fucking have at it. Absolutely. But okay. I think a lot of people don't even ask themselves. They will look at what is popular mm. or what's being presented to them as being cool or this or that and they don't they don't even ask themselves what do i like yeah or do i do i but do do i really want this like but, but i know you, everyone else wants it but do i even give a fuck about it and i oh. think a lot of people don't even ask they're not even that in touch with themselves to ask themselves that question or know the answer okay i like i like what you're saying but i'm gonna counterpoint it with what if you like bell bottoms and you look like a jackass well, I could say, well, what if you like skinny jeans and you look like a jackass? Just yeah, because I, they're in, just because they're in fashion, it doesn't really mean anything. Yeah, but if the you're fashion, wearing, that, that trend is going to be gone in a year. But if you're wearing bell bottoms, then you just seem like you're lost. Like you have no idea what 
kind of you kind of got to move with the trends a little bit, no? Well, nothing says any like nothing says you have to do anything. Um, <laughs> Why are you laughing, John? What John's going to kick out of this? Because <laughs> what you're pointing out is relative to our industry, and it's delusion. Like if you think you look good in bell bottoms, it's delusion, and <laughs> you can just say. <laughs> And there's a lot of delusional people. <laughs> so how do you relate that to bodybuilding? What are we doing in bodybuilding? Okay, but, like but you, okay but you know, we went from skinny jeans to bell bottoms. And you know what both of them are? What, ridiculous? Trends. Yeah, that's true. They're just trends. Ne- neither one of them are sustaining styles. They're just trends. But I know, but what I'm saying is you're, okay, I'm just being a dick. But <laughs> so, so you're saying be yourself right? Do what you love. So what I'm saying is if I'm the kind of guy that loves wearing bell bottoms, can I go to the mall and wear bell bottoms and not get laughed at? Well, who cares? Somebody's laughing at you. You're going to get laughed at, of course. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. So what we're saying is be yourself regardless of whether people laugh at you or not. Think of all the videos where I had a tank top over top of a t-shirt and when I wore (laughs) sandals with socks. Yeah. <laughs> right? I just didn't care what people said. That's true. You know what? There is an element of I have to be honest, as somebody who maybe I care too much about what people think. There is an element of envy when you see somebody wearing a pair of bell bottoms even and they don't give a fuck. They don't care. They're like, "I like this shit. I don't care if you don't if you don't like it. I don't give a shit." I actually feel like there's people kind of uh, gravitate to that person. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Because that, I love person, that. that person's like, they're so true to themselves that you can't really look at them in a negative way. Does that make sense? Oh, I love that. I love that. I, I mean, that's a great place to be when you're happy, confident. Like it's, it's really dumb when you think about it to let everybody else's opinions dictate. I mean, it's if, like if you have a business and you're getting consumer research done on what to yeah. sell, that's one thing. Yeah. That's one thing. But when your your happiness is dictated, like if my happiness was dictated on YouTube comments, imagine how I would feel. You know? I mean <laughs> We would we would both be done. We'd just be done. Yeah, you'd be depressed yeah. all the time. Well, yeah. this guy says I'm ugly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um all, all, right. all I'm saying is just if something is in style or this is a mm-hmm. trend, just ask yourself first if you actually like it. Rather yeah. than just accept it just because it's in fashion. That's all I'm saying. No, and I agree with you. I'm just have, I'm just having have your own opinion and yeah. And, and I think ultimately what well at least what I would strive for is, you know, whether it's in something I wear or if I was a supplement company, um or an automobile designer, whatever it was, I would want to always try to produce something timeless. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, good, good nutrition 20 years ago is no different than good nutrition. Now it won't be any different than good nutrition 20 years from now. Yeah. Same thing with a nice, nicely tailored suit with the right, right material. Mm-hmm. It will look great 50 years in the past. Then it'll look great 50 years in the future. I um, so I think avoiding stock the trends. Um, I don't know how we got here, but well, we I, got just, here. I, just, I, I just fucking hate trends. <laughs> We got here. We got here actually on a really important point. I think is actually very deep, and I don't know if we're deep enough to explore ah, it. But, being yourself. Yeah, I was gonna say. So, 
we got here by talking about being yourself don't succumb to trends and i and i agree with you the only tough thing i feel like is hard maybe if you're 40 like i'm 41 now evan i'm not sure how old you are 37 37 john you're you're old i know sorry dude john John, you're you're 45 47 I, i can't remember 47 okay so anyway the point is when you get a little bit older it's easier to kind of you've kind of figured out who you are what i'm talking about is somebody who's 20 years old or 25 years old that's listening to this i feel like it's hard to figure out who you are you might go to the gym because you hang out with four guys and they go to the gym but you may actually hate it like i've seen that scenario i used to run with a group of guys who like there's a couple guys that hated going to the gym but they would go because all of us were going and I just, I think saying be yourself is a great point, but it's sometimes harder to figure out. Um, it's easier said than done, I guess is what well, I'm trying to say. Well, and, and when you're younger, you don't have to be in a rush to figure it all out overnight, right? Yeah. Take your time, try different things, and, you know, you don't have to figure out everything overnight. Um, Evan, I wanted to ask about your uh, quad surgery. How's everything going now in your recovery? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Um, you know, it's still... I can feel the difference, but you know, I'm training. I'm not, I'm not, not doing anything. Um, yeah. and you know, are you still planning on coming back for the New York? Yep. Where are you in your plans? Are you like in a full blown off season right now? Or are you still kind yeah, of ramping? Still, no, still full blown off season. Full blown off season. Good. Yeah. When do you start dieting? End, end of this month. Okay. I think people are going to be excited for that, man. And your return. How long has it been since you've been on the stage? God, 2016. I was on stage. Holy last. shit. You compete. You've uh, been longer for you than me. I'm going to be nervous. <laughs> it's like starting all over. Oh my God. <laughs> um, either, either that or I just won't give a shit. I think I have a feeling you're not going to give a shit. You're probably just going to do your thing like you always do. <laughs> um, John, what uh, I saw you put a, t- okay. First of all, John, I see you training heavier. You're squatting like three plates with a, with a safety bar the other day. And I also saw you putting some hints up about doing the rock show. I'm not sure what the invite list is for like that or anything like that, but are you, are you just messing around or are you talking about coming back? I would love to do that show as a two twelver. er um, yeah. You know, I haven't competed since 2017. So, you know, if you're, if they're looking for just the people who have placed high recently, I certainly wouldn't get an invite, yeah. but um, you know, if they're, I don't know, I don't know what the criteria would be, but I would love to do that show. And you know, we'll see. We'll see. I, I, I don't know what the criteria is. So, is, there, is there anything else or is it really just that, that, that would get you out of bed in the morning? At this point, it show needs to make sense for me. Yeah. It, it's got to make sense. Like, yeah. like just getting on stage. Well, I've been on stage over 60 times. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's got to make sense business wise. Can I, it can be, can I get good pictures from the show? Can I, you know, do a real good YouTube documentary on it? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, things like that. And I think that the show The Rock is doing fits into my criteria perfectly. So, yeah. you know, whether I would get an invite or not, I don't know. I don't know how that process would work. But like that fits into something that would would fire me up. And yeah. I still I mean, I haven't really lost any muscle. It's all still there. So yeah. I don't feel like I've went backwards by any stretch. But it just the show needs to make sense. Yeah. Evan, are you doing any new business stuff with bodybuilding? Or are you just focused on the show right now? Um, I know, I know you have, sorry, I just, I know you have, uh, I'm not sure what the situation is with animal meal. Are, did, you, did you formulate that yourself? I did. Um, I formulated it and they, they manufacture it. Um, 
So yeah, so that was a cool. Is cool it part? Is it? And I don't know if this is too far to ask, but is it partly yours, or is it just like you formulated it? Yeah, no, I don't have any ownership over it or anything like that. Okay, but you just wanted to get something that you could kind of call your own. Yeah, honestly, it was it was one of those things where they said, "Hey, we're gonna put out like a new weight gainer or something." You know, do you have any opinions on it? And I was like, "Why a weight gainer? Why don't we put out a really good meal replacement?" Because yeah. it's something I would love to use, and honestly, mm-hmm. I don't like anything that's out there. Yeah, either it's got the right macros, but it's got dairy in it. Evan, where'd you go? John, John, are you here? There. You know, it, something oh, there that you would, would like tick some of the boxes, but not all. So I'm like, you know, let's yeah. just put together an awesome product. And that's what we did. And, and it's doing uh, incredibly well. And it's, <laughs> I'm not just saying it because it's, my, you know, something yeah, that yeah. I had a hand in, but it's yeah. just fucking solid. It's very solid. But I think people want that. I remember, um, and I don't know if this is a, a, an equal product because I don't know what the ingredients are in, meal, in, in your meal replacement, but um, I remember uh, Rich Piana came out with real food. Right. And it was more like, um, I think it was potato-based or sweet potato-based or rice flour-based, right. stuff like that. Is that kind of along the lines or what's your product based Well, on? ours, Rich, Rich's is just a carbohydrate. Okay, product, that's right. That's right, yeah. Whereas this is protein, fats, and carbs. I can't tell you how many people when like, the product we first launched it and they're like, fuck you, you copied rich. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> it's a fucking carbohydrate product. Yeah. Ours is a meal replacement. What are you talking? You don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. So no, no. And, and I, I liked Rich's concept as yeah. well, you know, food based, etc. Yeah. Um, no, it was just really to have something balanced where like, look, I'm never going to tell anybody that yeah. a, a supplement is a viable alternative to food. I agree. But, if you, there are situations we find ourselves in traveling, pressed for time, whatever it is, and you need to have something, I would tell people, yes, it's the next best thing. So what's, I I just want to know what the base is. Like what's your carbs, what do your carbs come from and what do your proteins come from? Yeah. So the protein is coming from beef, egg and pea protein. Really? That's how we kept the dairy out of it. Yeah. Um, the carbohydrates are coming from sweet potato, oats, pea starch, um, and a small bit of dextrose, which was another thing that people went fucking bonkers over. And how it was much? like, dude, it's just, huh? How much? Like, how much dextrose? Like, like 10 grams. That's and it's like, man, it's such a small amount. Mm. I didn't see the need to do all complex carbs because right. with the fat in the product, it slowed everything down anyways. Right. Um, yeah. So all, all, making it all complex carbs, all it's going to do is just drag down the digestion of it. Yeah. So, and then the fats coming from olive oil and uh, egg yolks. Okay. Have you gotten, and I'm, I'm not sure I haven't tried it or known anybody tried it other than you, obviously, but is there any stomach discomfort with the egg protein? Cause usually that's a, that's a thing with egg protein. Nope. Nope. Still, digestibility is great. Dude. It's, I avoided protein products, including meal replacements for about 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, now listen, I enjoy the convenience of that stuff just as much as the next guy, yeah. but I would get used to whole food during preps. Mm-hmm. And then when I would go back to putting that stuff in, I would just feel horrible. Yeah. I've been I just there. said, fuck it. And I just kept it out for years. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, wa- still wishing that there was a good option yeah. for the times that I needed it. No, dude, you can take this stuff half an hour before you train have for, and for whatever reasons, when you take it before training, you get great pumps with it. Yeah. You will have zero heaviness, anything in your stomach. Um, you're talking to somebody who, Dude, if you gave me the finest whey protein isolate 
available, yeah. it would wreck me. It would really, still yeah. just wreck me. Yeah. I'm super sensitive. No, dude, this stuff, if you can't handle this, you're not going to handle anything. I'd like to try it out. I'm going to get a jug and I'm going to copy it for our company and put out the exact same. <laughs> John, I saw that you, uh, I saw that you guys at Granite just came out with, for those of you who don't know, John owns or is a part owner of Granite, Granite Supplements. If you don't know, you probably live under a rock, but uh, you guys just came out with uh, a new protein. What does that yeah, mean? Yeah, well, first I want to say that everybody's going to be screaming at me probably in six months that I copied Evan because we're working on a meal replacement too. <laughs> <laughs> I think, listen, you know what? A lot of a lot of supplements are copies of other supplements, but they're not direct copies. Everybody has their own twist on well, things. There's well, nothing wrong. I mean, I, my, I've I've thought about doing the same thing Evan did. I for our company is I'd like to put out something that you can eat without having to eat. So well, it's a great idea. It's yeah. very. It's just a, not only is it a great idea. It's it's needed, right? Yeah. I mean, how many different kinds of pre workout do you need? Like, of course, these companies have like twelve different kinds of pre workouts. Like, yeah, of course. Um, we, yeah, we just launched a protein powder. Now I started talking about it six months ago and it took forever to get it right. Yeah. But, um, it's a blend of, of whey, isolate, concentrate, casein, egg, and beef. Why? And why would don't, sorry, I'm going to ask a, a layman's term question, but. Oh yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't you want, do I want, don't I want a, a, a quick digesting source or a slow digesting source? It seems like you have them kind of together. Well, it depends on what you're using them for. So okay. I wanted something that was a little slower digesting. That's why we put the casein in it, obviously. Yeah. Um, and I like, I've always liked mixing proteins. Okay. Different amino acid sequences have different effects on the body. Um, so for me, and I personally do not handle just whey by itself very well either. Okay. Um, I get crazy bloating in my stomach from it. So okay. Um, I played around with this formula for a long time and then we added protease in it, which is a digestive enzyme. Yep. And so you can drink this protein. You can still shake it up and drink it just like you, know, you don't have to put it in a blender. Yep. Easy on your stomach. I mean, I at some point four or five years ago, I got to where I couldn't really handle whey protein shakes either. I'm yeah, a, I'm, I'm, I'm like that this, now too, yeah. I, I Yeah, I mean, I think we get this sensitivity to it at some point, but this one – uh, I really liked the way it came out. The, the only downside was the flavoring costs a lot, but I wanted it to taste awesome. So yeah, we just launched that and um, it's, uh, it's doing really well right now. So, you know, we'll see where it goes. And are you going to keep up with the YouTube or what? Your I'm YouTube, not your YouTube, YouTube is just insane. Dude, YouTube is the, um, like, look, when I go to meet people um, where I go to different events, 99 out of a hundred people, say i love your youtube i, I, I watch it um well my battery's getting a little bit low we're almost we're to, almost done i just kind of want to touch on that real quick i got i still got 15 minutes left um probably only one out of 100 people ask me anything competition related yeah i know uh, there's a big impact youtube has mm -hmm. you can make money off youtube right you can make money so they put advertisements on there you make uh i can't remember if it's 55 or 45% of uh, 55% i think the ad revenue you get. Um, so it's actually generating a substantial amount of income for me. I think mm -hmm. YouTube is the future. I think okay. it's the future. I don't think Instagram is the future. I don't think Facebook is the future. I think YouTube is the future. So I hope I'm right because I'm investing a lot of my resources in it right now. And I have no intentions on slowing down at all. Can I ask you to stop taking my ideas? 
Just, just which <laughs> I was is funny. Listen, so I've been racking my brain because I, you know, I do the little bit of cooking stuff on my channel. And Evan, I, I please don't watch the cooking stuff because it's not <laughs> it's not like your cooking stuff. It's very <laughs> it's very like uh, university right. student ish. Like just like, like, like ramen noodles, <laughs> <Yeah>. pretty much. <laughs> so yeah, don't uh, don't judge me. But anyway, so. I was going to do one on carbs. I was like, I'm going to, I just came up with it. I was kind of like, you know Oh what? yeah. The seven yeah. carbs. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to do one on carbs. Talk about what carbs people need, blah, blah, blah. The fucking next day, John's fucking picture comes up on my YouTube. Oh, all oh, seven carbs you need <laughs> to get big or some shit. I'm like, motherfucker. Like, so anyway, um, well, I just did a protein one. So do it today and get it out quick. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. I started cooking some new recipes. I'm trying to put a little bit more effort into my recipes. But, um, anyway, listen, is there anything you guys want to talk about or, uh, you know, a message you want to put out before I let you guys go? We've been on for a little while. I'm really happy you guys came on, man. I really appreciate it. I think guys are going to get a lot of, um, there's a lot of quality in this interview, so I really appreciate it. But is there anything you guys want to talk about before you go? Anything, Evan, anything you want to plug? I know how much you like plugging stuff. Evan, anything you want to plug before you go? Me? <laughs> just, joking. just joking. Um, John, is there anything you want to talk about before you head out? No, just everybody jump on my YouTube and watch it and I'll be happy. Okay, cool. Listen, guys, I really appreciate you guys taking the time. Thank you very much. And uh, I'm sure we'll have you guys on again, but this is a good way to start 2020. Animal meal. Animal meal, granite supplements, and hostile supplements will be coming soon. Okay, guys. Thank you very much. We'll do it again soon. Thank you. Bye-bye.